0: Very amazing episode today. Uh, Joining us is Dr. Dureo. She uh, has been a chiropractor for quite some time. She's taught lectures. She has helped the profession and now she's seeking a degree in naturopathic medicine. I'd like you guys to welcome uh, Dr. Nancy Dureo. And thank you for being on the show. Thank
1: you. Thanks, Bogdan. Thanks for having
0: me. Yeah, of course. So just to uh, start up, how did you get started in this medicine, in chiropractic
1: yeah, that's, um, that was a while ago. So when I was in high school, I wanted to be an architect. And the computer profession, as it was developing, sort of took over architecture. Mm-hmm. And I decided to become a physical therapist mm-hmm. instead of an architect. And um, after volunteering, and beginning my pre-med, but after volunteering in the... Um, physical therapy department of a hospital in Washington, I realized I needed to be the doctor mm-hmm. because it would take somewhere between two months and, and two days for the orders to be changed for the physical therapist. And by then the patient may need a different therapy anyway. Mm. So back then physical therapy was only occurring either in a hospital or in a doctor's office. They weren't independent like they are now. So when I decided I needed to be the doctor, I didn't want to spend my time studying drugs and surgery.
0: Mm.
1: I had no idea what I was going to do. Like how, how was I going to go to medical school and avoid drugs and surgery? Right.
0: That would be very difficult.
1: It wasn't possible at all. It still isn't. (laughs) So, um, so at the encouragement of my family, I looked into chiropractic and then from that point I found out about naturopathic medicine. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to be a naturopathic doctor back in in that time frame, you know, 1980 to 83. But uh, I discovered in California, we didn't have a board for naturopathic medicine, although we did have primary care as chiropractors Mm. in California. So I chose to become a chiropractic doctor. And then I could In California, I could practice um, nutritional medicine and hands-on physical therapy at the Mm -hmm. same time, be licensed to diagnose and order any labs I wanted. Mm -hmm. So that's how it came about. I had to dump the idea of being a naturopathic doctor back then, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and now I've returned because I can.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, Yeah. and I uh, appreciate working with you in the clinic. Now, Mm -hmm. you've been practicing for quite some time now. What are the biggest things you've learned in your practice um, in terms of, you know, running a clinic and, you know, keeping yourself healthy?
1: Yeah, uh, there's a there are a lot of dynamics to that. As a matter of fact, probably the number one. Thing that I needed to realize is not to be afraid of change Mm -hmm. so things change in life like you know over the decades maybe I've made different choices for my family and and my activities different priorities have come up in my life Um, I've always been really dedicated to uh, healing others so my Practice in my profession has been at the very top of my list, like mm-hmm. competi- competitively with my own family. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I would say that being willing to change is really important, and mm-hmm. always learn, always be open to learning. And there are so many facets to learning because there's what you can learn by the constant changing of society and rules in society when it comes to medicare for instance Mm -hmm. just as far as business goes medicare changes their rules every four years you have to give up the idea you're ever gonna like have medicare be the be always the same you Mm -hmm. know so the the um, insurance industry has changed drastically since Mm -hmm. 1986 and and so my practice has changed as the industries have changed, and I stepped away from having a huge insurance-based practice doing personal injury and workers' comp mm-hmm. as well as regular private insurance to now I am a cash-only practice. Mm. So basically I've been through all of it. So. What
0: uh, inspired that transition from uh, taking insurance that working pretty well? Um to doing cash only, which seems like it's more difficult to be successful in doing cash only.
1: Yeah, um, so insurance certainly is easy for our patients, mm-hmm. right? It makes it easier for the patients. And I, you know, I might in some respects say it's not a bad idea to start out having a combination of an insurance and cash practice mm. because it will get you patients faster. Mm. So for me, I transitioned into a cash practice because I have a specialty mm. that people are willing to pay cash for. And they can get insurance reimbursement as well, but I don't, I'm don't; i not participating in any of that other than giving them a receipt. So mm. I think that if you already have a niche and a specialty... In mind, You might be able to not, you know, have to engage in the insurance practices. But if you just want to get started and get rolling, it might be a good idea to start with the insurance industry. I say that with some hesitation because I'd like to believe that we could all just start with our own cash practice and not worry about the insurance industry. But I think demographics plays a big part of it. Mm. You know, being maybe in a wealthier neighborhood where there's more income available for spending would be an easier cash practice area to be in, which happens to be the county that I'm in. People have expendable income. Mm -hmm. But I have a friend who wasn't able to do cash practice because she was in a farming town and all the workers had insurance and Mm. they all didn't have a lot of extra money in their pockets. Mm -hmm. So I think it depends where you're at, where you're going.
0: Right. And it's like if somebody has insurance and they're kind of looking for, you know, any kind of care, they would rather go to somebody who has insurance. Unless, like you said, you have some uh, strong specialty where um, they would like your services, like you're an expert in that field. Mm -hmm. What is your uh, main focus in your uh, healing practice?
1: So my um, my specialty really takes into account what we call the triad of health, Mm and that will continue for me even after my naturopathic degree Mm. but in applied kinesiology we see that the structural aspects of a person's body tie into the mental emotional as well as the biochemical or nutritional aspects so that's a whole body approach that's what naturopathic medicine is about um you know what a lot of traditional medicines are about is taking a look at all aspects so I may not specialize in mental-emotional health, Mm -hmm. but I will refer my patients for that support when it's a primary. Mm -hmm. But the other two aspects, the structural and the biochemical, I certainly specialize in. Those Mm -hmm. are my favorites. I love Mm -hmm. that we have our human genome project complete and that Mm -hmm. I can apply genetics to my nutritional medicine Mm -hmm. because there are several things, several gene aspects that are um, actionable when it comes to using a nutritional supplement. Mm. So uh, I will apply as much science as I possibly can to my patients because it's pretty solid these days, our nutritional Mm. medicine. The other aspect that I really uh, delve into is functional neurology. Mm. So besides the functional medicine, biochemical, genetic aspects, what have you done to the nervous system that's preventing it from working optimally? Mm. besides just number of years on the planet?
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: concussions, amputations, various traumas that have happened to the central nervous system or the peripheral nervous system, I think can be addressed and managed very well with um, a holistic or non-invasive approach, mm. meaning a non-drug or non-surgical approach. Mm.
0: What kind of uh, therapies do you like to use mostly?
1: So when it comes to um, to the physical or physiotherapy mm-hmm. um, aspects, I do a lot of manipulation. Mm. And I like to joke, you know, I can crack backs with the best of them. I used to work on the Raiders football team when they would wow. come into the training camp in Oxnard. And so, you know, those guys, you need to have a lot of speed and a lot of force sometimes to get A a treatment through some very thick musculature. But on the other hand, I've attended several um, births, several deliveries of babies and treated the mother while she was in labor, as well as the, you know, as soon as the baby's born Mm -hmm. and ready to go. And then unwinding using cranial sacral therapy, which is extremely light. So I can work through all of that on any end of the spectrum, but really the main point I believe that is so important that I think I figured it out maybe my second year into practice is it's important to figure out where your patient's at and what they need.
0: Mm. So
1: I developed a philosophy of starting with the amount of pressure or therapeutic intervention Mm -hmm. that I think is required for that individual. And it's Mm. based on consultation and exam. You know, you get your hands on people and you watch how they, you know, how they move and behave and their stories. And then you can start off light, but you can always advance your technique into maybe a heavier um, approach. But once you've started with somebody too heavy, and they've been hurt or frightened, you may not have another opportunity to go back and get lighter on Mm -hmm. them and then move forward. Sometimes you will Mm. because people are great at being forgiving and loving and communicating and wanting help. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I think I learned that it's best to get a feel for my patient, get their agreement on, you know, the type of therapy that you're recommending Mm -hmm. and then make, a gentle attempt to make a correction, like say for instance, just a manipulation Mm -hmm. of the spine, right? Mm -hmm. So I may start with the middle back, even though somebody's primary is cervical, Mm -hmm. I may start in the thoracics because it's further away from their more vulnerable neck. Mm -hmm. People have a lot more concern about you putting your hands around their neck and doing Mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. So, you know, little things like that. Sometimes you have to step a little further away from the chief complaint in order to get close to it and be successful in that way. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it's like using the least force necessary,
1: the least amount of force necessary to get the job done. Right. Yeah. So sometimes I may make the same adjustment in the same area two or three times, Certainly twice. Mm -hmm. But because, and I'll tell the patient, look, let's sneak up on this. Let's start off light. Mm -hmm. And then if it doesn't work, we'll use a little more. Mm -hmm. And they love that. They'd Mm -hmm. rather not start with too much.
0: Mm. Yeah. So chiropractic adjustments are a key treatment for the chiropractic profession. Mm -hmm. How do you think they work? And what are they uh, for people who have never been to a chiropractor?
1: So, chiropractic is primarily a neurological approach Mm. to healing. So when you look at the central nervous system, things come in and things go out. Information mm-hmm. in, information out. Mm-hmm. Every single chiropractic or physical therapy modality, reflexology, acupuncture, it all will find its roots somewhere in the brain and spinal cord mm-hmm. for processing. Mm-hmm. So if so chiropractic as a profession is neurology without drugs and surgery, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. And that's about as simply as I can put it, because if you say, "Well, what about the muscles, right? Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of like muscle and tendon investments in chiropractic as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Muscles move the bones.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Tendons hold them on to the bones. Mm-hmm. But what tells the muscles what to move is mm-hmm. still the central nervous system. Mm-hmm. So um, so again, it's like the triad of health. You're going to kind of, you know, in order to stabilize the spine, you might have to make a muscle happy. In order to make sure the nerve is happy, you may have to use uh, an anti-inflammatory like turmeric or boswellia Mm -hmm. in order to settle the system down. You can't just, in my opinion, pick one thing. I don't think that's going to be successful. However, entire portions of the chiropractic profession are built on only doing one thing. Mm. One bone. There's an upper cervical specific technique where they only adjust mm. the atlas and guess what? It works, <laughs> wow. but it's not my preferred approach. Mm. So th- that's how that goes. So early
0: on in your practice, I remember you telling me that you had an incredibly busy practice. You were kind of just, you know, cracking backs and just one after the other. Can you uh, can you tell me a little bit more about like how you set that up, and what made you want to like move away from that way of practicing?
1: Yeah, so adjusting forty two patients a day is a big deal. Being assigned a patient every seven and a half minutes <laughs> is that's
0: amazing. Is
1: a lot of patient care in a short amount of time for somebody like me. Although my first chiropractic experience as a patient, my chiropractor spent two and a half minutes with me mm-hmm. as a rule. Mm-hmm. Like I would write questions for her as a, you know, impending chiropractic student. I would leave, I would just write on a little piece of note paper, my questions for that two minute session I was going to have with her. I'd lay face down being ready for her. I'd put the note, on my back and wait for oh her to come gosh. in the room to treat me. And she would literally spend that too. Sometimes I'd get three minutes because she was into the question answer thing. And literally, um, she was able to, you know, not only help my scoliosis within three months, I had grown three-eighths of an inch in height because my spine straightened, Mm. But, um, but she was also able to jam through those questions, so I wasn't really into that pace. Seven and a half minutes also didn't really work for me. I prefer 15 to 30 minutes for a patient visit. So that's where I'm at now, mostly 15-minute patient visit. When I first started in practice, though, I needed a full half hour. Mm -hmm. And to try to get through a new patient consultation in less than two hours was difficult for me when I first started practicing. So my first year of practice, I spent working in another doctor's clinic. Mm -hmm. And what I like to say about that experience is I learned a lot about what not to do. Mm -hmm. So I didn't put my feet up on the desk and wait 30 minutes at the end of the lunch break so my patients would have to wait for me and think I was important. I didn't do that. Mm. He did.
0: Wow. You know what I mean?
1: Um, I didn't pad my insurance billing.
0: What does that mean to pad insurance? That would
1: be like... (laughs) um, maybe there are ways to do your coding
0: so that you that's legal
1: maybe it's legal Mm -hmm. but maybe not entirely ethical like by my own personal measure this is why every practice is individual now you're going to go with where your heart and mind takes you and for me I just I want to be able to sleep at night that wouldn't have worked for me Mm -hmm. so I might have erred on the side of making less money, but at least I felt better about myself. Mm -hmm. So after a year in practice, I was young. I was 24 when they handed me my diploma and called me doctor, and Mm -hmm. I was, like, looking over my shoulder, like, who are you talking to? (laughs) (laughs) But, um, But I needed... I was, I was pretty intimidated, and I felt like I needed to be under somebody's wing and kind of get the feel for mm-hmm. having a job other than cleaning fish during the summer in Alaska. You know what I mean? I just didn't have the skills and the knowledge and the experience mm-hmm. being that young. So I do recommend that for people who are younger or feel that they need the extra experience especially especially in naturopathic medicine where we have a very large scope Mm. of various ways to practice from midwifery all the way to minor surgery or you know uh, energy work whatever Mm. it is Um, if you feel like you need to spend time in another practice learning the ropes spend a year or maybe even two who knows how long it's going to take my naturopath spent four or five years in a residency at a cancer clinic Mm. in california
0: Mm.
1: he's fantastic and that worked for him. But yeah. when it looks when I'm looking at, for, for me, when I first started, it, it took a number of years to get to the point where I was seeing 42 patients a day. And there are real actions that go into creating that. It doesn't happen by accident, and it mm. doesn't happen overnight. The, the adage about it taking two years to like get your business up and running, and then five years before you know you've actually made it, Wow. That's actually true. Mm. And for me, you know, it's true for a lot, a lot of my friends that when we went through the the program in chiropractic back in the eighties, but, um, creating that clinic that, or that whatever, however you're going to like frame your, um, healing practice, your practice, mm -hmm. um, it, it's it's alive it's part of you it's life it's like you generate creating that every single day and to the degree you don't create it is the degree that you won't have success wow. so if you're going to create a practice all these aspects have to come into play we have the real world aspects of things like paying rent um Buying toilet paper, (laughs) keeping the phones connected, Mm -hmm. um, having relationships with our neighbors and our vendors, all of that. But um, so postgraduate, searching for... Maybe a company that helps teach business specific to a healing profession Mm. for me is what I chose to do. I knew I knew nothing about running a business. And after spending a year in another doctor's office and then making the leap to open my own with my family's help, they put down, I don't know, 30 grand or 35 grand Mm -hmm. to build out my practice and get me some equipment as an investment. So I was fortunate that I had a family that could help me with that. Otherwise, I would have to get a small business loan or something. It's not impossible. But then I had to find, I literally remember standing in my clinic, looking out the front window, thinking to myself, I need to figure out how to get patients in here. And it was frightening. Mm. Because to me, all I saw was this vast sea of nothingness because nothing was coming in my door, really. I mm. had I had referrals from people I knew, and you know, I was re- getting referrals from my patients. But when it comes to paying for your own personal rent, plus the rent on the building, plus a front desk receptionist and all the utilities, it's a lot. Mm. It really is. So um, I, I found um, a company that taught business practices, and I hired them in a way that, what I got was I got to go to the seminars and learn how to do business. So bottom line is if I were to take away the pearls from that and Mm -hmm. just share with you, like, what do you got to do when you go to open your doors? Just what I was going to ask you. Yeah. Is, um, what I learned was that communication is important Mm. and it doesn't mean you have to be perfect. Right? So if you can communicate with, um, colleagues and people whether you know them or not just making the communication happen and it doesn't like I said doesn't have to be perfect and now it could even be on the internet Mm -hmm. it could be like it could be a social media thing back when I wasn't you know starting it was face-to-face hand-to-hand you know mail a letter Mm -hmm. oh yeah we had fax machines (laughs) That was like the biggest thing in electric typewriters, right? Mm -hmm. So anyway, Um, so the the main thing is communication. If you need to work on communication skills, you might have to figure that out. I did. I took some courses in communication. I felt like I was intimidated by my own shadow. So I had some work to do, which Mm -hmm. I think never actually stops your whole way through practice because Mm -hmm. I still find things to work on. Mm -hmm. Um, Also... Um, education
0: mm-hmm.
1: patient education mm-hmm. is key so probably the easiest way for me to do patient communic- patient education was to get everybody in a room together once a week for my new patient class new mm-hmm. patient wellness class and teach everybody the basics of chiropractic and nutrition and um, and some some life skills like how to do Dry skin brushing, how to know how much water to drink, how to know how much protein to eat, you know, how to know how much rest to get, the basics. Mm -hmm. So then after that, I had a series of courses I developed for my practice. And people were interested maybe in fixing their own carpal tunnel or, you know, understanding how to prevent colds and flus. And so... I wrote a series, you know, basically, I think I've probably written 40 different little workshops that are 45 Mm. minutes to an hour. And then I also did some specialty workshops on managing autoimmunity that are three Mm. hours long. Not only did I teach them in my clinic Mm. and promote them through the newspaper, which, you know, can still work. It really depends on in your area, what people are reading. So some small towns might still be more newspaper-oriented, whereas larger communities may be more social media-oriented. You have to figure out how your word's going to get out. Um, I taught these classes... in rooms like this, a room where I rented and I set up 30 chairs. Mm-hmm. I, I had people prepay to some of these others. I taught for free. Mm-hmm. So, um, I always did my in office wellness workshop free because I wanted no barriers to their basic education mm-hmm. in my clinic, how to participate as my patient. Mm. Right. And then, um, and then, but the workshops I could take places. So the, the, local community, um, adult education centers are a fantastic place to teach workshops Mm. and any of these useful things we learn in therapeutic modalities and naturopathic medicine, traditional naturopathic medicine, um, herbs, you know, how to do self care. All those things are hot items and hot topics. If you teach a person how to fish, Right?
0: For their life. Yeah. yeah.
1: They're mm. going to love and appreciate you for that, and they will refer their friends and family to you. Mm. So I've literally had people sit in my class, learn how to manage their mm. autoimmunity, and then refer people to me, even though they themselves had never been my patient.
0: Mm.
1: So it's a great way to get started. Community education and your you know, educating your own patient population. Those people go out and educate others for you. Mm-hmm. You just have to make sure that you keep your follow-up in, t- in that as well. Mm-hmm. So it's important anytime you teach a class to send around a sign-up sheet and, and you insist on getting either a phone number or an email address or both mm-hmm. so that you have your marketing going out to those people in the future. So this is how you build it.
0: Right, right. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. You t- you, so my, my thing that worked great for me, because there are other ways to do this, but my thing was to hand over the education to another human being who was not a doctor, right? Let them be successful or not with that information, and then come back to me and ask me for help. Mm. From, now they want some professional help. And they were enriched mm. with the education that they will never lose. You see and what I mean? they kind of
0: already started going through the process, too. Yeah. So now... They
1: need your help anyway. They
0: realize that... Yeah. Yeah, so you don't have to teach them the basic stuff in the visit. Right. They're already past that, but now they need more specialized.
1: Right. And so I teach very detailed, specific solutions in my workshops. Like Mm. I give them something to chew on. Mm. I don't just say, oh, well, you know, if you have carpal tunnel, you need to come see me because I'm a chiropractor and I can (laughs) adjust it. That's important for some people. But you know what? What about vitamin B6 and water and being smart about how you use your mouse at the computer if you handle those things and you correct your problem, fantastic. If you don't, then come see me. People mm. love that because mm. they're respected for being intelligent human beings who can solve their own problems because they care. Mm. But guess what? They have friends and family they may need to refer to you. Mm. So, you know...
0: So that's your main kind of uh, marketing. has it been is. just teaching. And it
1: always has. Oh, yes. The only thing that's changed the only portion of it that's changed is i'm not buying ads in the newspaper or Mm. in those little like bonus bucks things that end up in the mailbox in their mailboxes those
0: are the worst The people sending like advertisement mail yeah but it used to
1: work great yeah i I I got tons and tons of patients off of those in the past yeah so i might do a a special new patient special for mother's day and i would promote it within my own practice back then. It was snail snail mail. I would write newsletters that were six to 12 pages long. I suppose people read them. I don't know. (laughs) I'm going to share some of that. That's intense. (laughs) I know. Really?
0: Like a whole essay.
1: I know. It was. So so that, you know, like maybe a Mother's Day thing, for instance. So a lot of families celebrate Mother's Day and some don't. Mm -hmm. So um, Mother's Day special would be like you know, send your mother in for a new patient visit at no charge. Here's here's a little invitation for your mom. And I would, like, make an envelope with a little card in it wow. and then a little business card or slightly larger-sized piece of paper that explained what the coupon was. My patients love that. They would totally give them to their moms.
0: Mm, wow, a free first visit. Yeah. Were these uh, shorter like a, visits?
1: Well, so... You know, when I was, when I'm doing only chiropractic, it doesn't cost as much as if I'm doing a nutritional visit. So you have to you have to choose and decide what you want to keep and what you want to give away. Mm-hmm. But certainly, um, what I do now. So I've been in practice since 1986, mm-hmm. right? So what I do now isn't what I did then. Mm-hmm. What I do now, which may work for anybody too, mm-hmm. we're working on it with, you know, my daughter who's a recent new naturopath but
0: mm-hmm.
1: I give 15 minute free phone consultations.
0: Mm.
1: I'm pr- I'm running my practice from out of state right now. So for efficiency's sake, actually I don't typically accept new patients right now. I just don't have time for it because mm-hmm. I'm only working four days a month
0: mm-hmm. instead
1: of four days a week. Wow. So when I, when somebody wants to refer a friend or family member, we'll set up a 15 minute free phone consultation, which I do from here where I'm at school, mm-hmm. right? But the point is to find out if we're matched, if this patient is matched mm-hmm. for me in my situation, being that I'm not available full time as well as, am I even the right resource for them? Because mm. maybe they need an acupuncturist. I mean, heck, maybe they need to go to the hospital. Mm. You know, So that free 15-minute phone consultation gives me enough information and a brief consultation. I'm giving away a brief consultation. That's it.
0: Mm. So your uh, practice is in California, right. you were uh, telling me before. Can you tell me a little bit more about how you run that? I know you were just saying you basically come there for what is four days a month. Yeah. Are you able to still generate a, a significant amount of uh, money to keep it afloat? Even with such a short work schedule, I mean, four days a month, that's like, how did you, how did you do that? I'm going to start
1: with 2016 when I came to Oregon for school mm-hmm. and, um, I sold, I sold, I closed my practice and I sold as much of my stuff as I could sell. Mm-hmm. And I, um, rented space with another doctor. Uh, And so I work in two clinics at opposite ends of the county because I've been in practice that long. I have people at both ends of the county. Mm -hmm. So um, I rent space from existing practices, which means I don't have to worry about the toilet paper or the phone bill, Mm -hmm. right? I just go in, do my work, and leave the place as I found it and then come back. Two weeks later, and do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So, my overhead's very low. Uh, I also have to pay for a plane flight round trip. And I found that I managed the price with that by getting my flights two or more months in advance. So, every quarter at school, I get my new schedule, and it takes me four hours. Like, I've already figured this out. I know it's gonna take me four hours. To map my schedule for the following quarter, get all my flights in order, and promote it to my patients through constant contact and Facebook. That's how I do it. Mm. And um, so I have an office phone. It's a mobile phone. And I also have my own personal phone. So I operate my business through the Internet as well as uh, through my phone, mm-hmm. my office phone. So when somebody comes on board as a new patient, you know, we've had our phone consultation. I don't have to do a consultation anymore. I'm done. Next time I get together with the patient will be a real-life patient visit where they get their exam and their treatment plan. Mm. I spend maybe an hour.
0: Hmm.
1: That is exam and treatment.
0: Like Both. all the manipulations. Yeah, and the 45 physical minutes therapies. to an
1: hour. Every, anything I got to do, I do. So, but I have a distinct um, separation between my chiropractic practice and my nutritional practice. So I'm board certified in clinical nutrition as well. And those um, visits are more detailed, and I have lab work that I review. So those people will get a longer. Um, Consultation, a regular phone consultation, plus they'll send me all of their labs, plus I've ordered labs and waited for the re- records to come back. So there may be a two- or three-week period of time before I actually get face-to-face with that person in the clinic. But by then, I've already... Um, gone through everything sometimes they send me two boxes two bankers boxes of medical records and I read through all of it it's fun (laughs) I love it and then um, I come up with a treatment plan and some phases because what's important for people is you meet them where they're at I learned this from Dr. Mark Percival one of my mentors from uh, he taught the health coach system back in the 90s and uh, he's in BC Canada but um, he taught us his my favorite quote of his ever is meet them where they are and lead them where they need to be mm. and so I spend a large amount of my effort meeting the patient and getting their agreement I ha- I ask them what are you willing to do what what are you willing to give up what are you willing to take on what do you really want out of this and then I customize their treatment plan to that so they may have phase one phase two phase three with the explanation that by the time they get to phase three, it's not going to look like it looks in phase one. Phase one might be a little more work for you or cost you a little more money. And phase three is like, here's your maintenance program.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: if things start to flare up or reoccur, you might have to go back to some of these things from phase one or phase two. They are fully educated with their program, and it might take somewhere between four months and two years to get through fully through their phases mm-hmm. of care. Mm-hmm. When it comes to real lifestyle changes, I, it takes time
0: mm-hmm. for
1: most people. Some people change instantly, and I might add that only three percent of my patients are fully compliant.
0: Only three mm-hmm. percent? Wow!
1: So don't get disappointed. It's gonna. It's a challenge to get people to implement. It's a challenge to get doctors to implement,
0: mm-hmm.
1: even with the mm-hmm. you know the holistic mm-hmm. therapies in their clinic.
0: Do you have any? Um any advice, big takeaways, lessons for people who are just about to start some kind of holistic healing practice, what whatever that is, whether they're giving consults, whether they're, you know, a naturopathic doctor, chiropractor, you know, whatever. What are the kind of big things that you like? kind of wish that you had known before you started?
1: I think... So we'll just start with the fact that I know I'm an optimist. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I also think I didn't quite estimate the amount of work it was going to take to get a business off the ground and get established. And so I would say that my number one thing would be to not get discouraged. Actually, go ahead and get discouraged, but don't get stuck in it. Mm. You know, it's okay to be discouraged, mad, sad, glad, whatever. Um, But be willing to do the troubleshooting and the communicating, calling friends or reading, listening to podcasts, whatever you got to do to get the information you need to be successful because we need more of us out there, Mm. like a lot more. Everybody needs to be successful in their own way. Mm. And it's up to you to decide... Like, my success, my $400,000 a year practice collected is different from my current maybe fifty or $60,000 a year collected. But for four days a week, that ain't... a so, month, I mean, four days a month, that ain't so bad, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So it's kind of um, more to just not get discouraged by all the difficulties that yeah. kind of arise.
1: Yeah, mm. and realize that you can change. So... Um, I started off my first five years being completely dedicated to my practice and scuba diving and skiing. You know, my mom had asked me when I was in high school, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and she said, well, what do you want to be able to do in life? Like, what would be fun for you to do? And I said, I want to ski. Well, everybody knows how expensive that is. So she's like, well, what kind of job are you going to need to have in order to be able to ski? Mm-hmm. Right. So you've got to kind of work it backwards. If you want to have your own clinic that's independent and you want to be the primary doctor in it and just have office staff, you've got to figure out how much that's going to cost.
0: Mm-hmm. And how like do you figure that lot, out
1: huh? is you ask your buddies or others who have done it, make, find a mentor, mm. you know, start asking and then put it together. And you may not, you know, you may not start off in the part of town that you eventually might want to end up in you might start off in a building where it's like you're on the seventh floor and your waiting room, consultation desk, and treatment table are all in the same room. You know, <laughs> you're going to start somewhere. You may start off by going into somebody else's practice. But the thing is, is being willing to grow, measuring what it is that you want to achieve. What do you like what do you want to do, do? Where do you want to live? Figure all that out. And then you can work it backwards and figure out what you need to do, how many days a week you might want to work. Well, after my first five years, I decided I was ready to have kids. And so I found a husband. Mm-hmm. That was my path. I had two babies and decided that I didn't want to work as much. So I, I closed my clinic. So I did move in with my husband after we got married, which meant I was a 30-minute drive from work. So I closed that clinic and found another tiny space, 750 square feet, a quarter of a mile from my house. I worked 12 to 18 hours a week while my kids were in school. And then the longer they were in school and the more they had their own things to do, I put more and more hours into my clinic, and I was able to then afford larger and larger clinics again. So...
0: Everything's very
1: dynamic if you want it to be. You don't have to be locked into anything Mm. in particular. So that mindset of, you know, if you you can like Mm. set up your business plan and if it doesn't work for you, guess what? Change it Mm -hmm. and don't get discouraged. It's like whatever Mm. it was you thought your business plan was wasn't working for you. So make another one. Mm. That's all it is.
0: So your approach kind of was to not tie yourself down to, you know, like buying a clinic or something or like. Know, taking out a mortgage for for something like that but kind of like renting rooms and being uh, flexible That's no really I did I did right? all of it I did mm-hmm. buy a
1: property I did have my clinic in it mm. I did end up not doing that anymore because mm-hmm. you know I bought my property at the top of the market and all this other stuff things happen in life it, was, it wasn't ideal the view was to die for but mm-hmm. so so I changed even that mm. but I've I've leased it was only when I came to school here that I stopped being willing to lease a clinic under my own name. I've always been the one in charge with my name on the
0: bottom Ooh, line. Why is that?
1: Until recently, because I'm out of state. Oh. And I don't want to have my... You know what? Something happened when I turned you know, around 50, 50 to 55, where I'm like, I'm tired of supporting everybody, so I want to change that and make it easy on me. You see what I mean? I, I, There was a point where I had two offices, four doctors, seven staff... I supported all of them through the work I did. I had um, what we call post doctors. Mm-hmm. That was you know, chiropractic students who had gotten their diploma but didn't have their license yet. So I had them working for me. I had chiropractic assistants doing my back office work and setting up my x-rays. And I'd come in and push the button. And they'd set up the next x-ray. I'd come back and push the button. I mean, when you're seeing a patient every seven and a half minutes, you don't really hold still. (laughs) So, but I, you know, having all that orchestrated, it was great. It was fun and all of that. But then, when I wanted to focus on my kids, I recreated my practice and my business in a way that worked for me and still continued to serve my humankind. You know, Mm. my 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 little network of. People and even when I stepped away from doing insurance, what occurred was that some of my patients still preferred to use their insurance with other chiropractors. But when something came up that they really needed help with, they would come to me, pay cash for the visit, get over that problem that the other doctor wasn't helping them with. They were, and it works great, mm-hmm. you know, it, it all worked. Mm. And again, it comes to meet meet them where they are, lead them where they need to be, and maybe consider Mm. doing that for your own self.
0: Mm. Now, being uh, in all these different activities, being so busy, how did you keep yourself sane, and what are some practices that you do for self-care?
1: Okay, so I apply everything I learned myself. I mean, with the exception of having this flaw of maybe... I don't know if it's a flaw. My experience of saying yes... So much that I get overwhelmed and overworked. Mm-hmm. Um, but how I compensated for that was I take vitamins, take more than the average human being because I want to optimize my performance. So I think of myself as a professional athlete. Mm. In my day, my goal is that when I get home at night, that I'm still fresh and happy and full of energy for my family. Mm. Okay, I spend all day long taking care of myself at work in order to make it home and be pleasant for my family. as I just wouldn't want to do it any other way. That's really so, awesome for you
0: to do that.
1: So I get to work, fill up my water glass in each of my treatment rooms because my office might have had three or four treatment rooms in it. So fill up my glass of water in each of those rooms. Actually, better yet, my staff did it for me. <laughs> I always brought my own lunch, at least most of the time, because I have you know, special things I like to eat that I know are going to keep me fueled up and not burdened. Like I can't just rely on a restaurant to feed me because I'd be like the rest of the Americans. Right. Mm -hmm. So I bring my own food and um, try. This was hard, but trying to honor the sanctity of my own lunch break is probably the biggest challenge in my day. And I might have a two-hour lunch break. One hour would be set aside for paperwork, like charting and things, report writing, dictating, all that stuff. And then the other hour would be for me to just sit back and have lunch and go outside. So all these things that we learn in our naturopathic program or our chiropractic program, for that matter, since I've experienced both now, on self-care is... um, It's not for you to just teach other people, but it's for you to enjoy (laughs) and, and apply to yourself and your own family. Because I can tell you what, if you keep your own children and spouse healthy and happy, you will enjoy more work days. But if your kids are sick or your spouse isn't well, it's going to take away from your time of serving others in mm-hmm. healthcare. Mm-hmm. So really, I just looked at it from sort of like, well, what are my goals? My goals are to like I love work, I love helping people. Mm-hmm. So how am I going to do that? Well, I'm going to make sure I'm healthy and everybody else is healthy. I want to I don't want to torture my family when I get home at night as a working mom. There's this like stigma of like how could you possibly be successful as a mom and have a full-time business that you're running. It's more than just a job, right? Mm-hmm. Cause you don't really ever totally turn it off, even though they tell you to, when you walk in the door at home, it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is you can rig it to be successful and energetic most of the time.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, that's definitely key. And I, I think as far as self-care goes, It's thought of a lot of times as being something like separate from your life. Like, oh, I do all this. I force myself to do all this. And then I give myself a little self-care. Whereas um, the way I kind of view it and the way it seems you view it as well is that you have a kind of picture of the life you want to live. The life that's meaningful to you. The life that's fulfilling, energizing. And that's primary. And everything else comes from that. Your business your family, everything co- like stems out of that. Not like a, I'm going to work really hard and be successful. And then to keep myself from dying and going insane, I'm going to get acupuncture or something.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, and it's a very there holistic was, way of looking at yeah, it. Yeah. There was a point when I turned 40 that I made a distinct rule for myself that once a week I, I get, I do a therapy I get a massage, an acupuncture treatment. Usually I would trade with an acupuncturist in town or a massage therapist in town. I even made it so these things didn't cost me money, okay? So mm-hmm. I was rigging it for success, Is right? this the bartering you were talking yeah, about? So, so my colleague, my massage therapist and I would trade or my um, acupuncturist and I would trade or two chiropractors, we'd get together. Actually, I'd meet with chiropractors weekly or monthly anyway because we would share our knowledge and practice our skills even in a nutrition master's group that we did mm. monthly in town. But all these things, um, you you really have to decide who you want to be at the end of the day, uh, literally. Mm. Do you want to be out of gas and feeling like crap and getting sick? Or do you want to like have some energy left and maybe do something fun that night? Your choice.
0: It, it's hard to have a, you know, a meaningful, fulfilling life without, you know, considering that. And I think that's a problem for most of modern society. It's, you know, you work at a job you, you hate, you sit, you don't enjoy your job, you come home just like so tired that all you can do is like sit in front of the TV and just kind of turn off. And I mean... Yeah, it, it pays the bills and it keeps life moving forward. But if one is aware of the fact that death is imminent, like what's the point of that kind of existence? I right. mean, if someone enjoys that, you know, that's good for them. But I don't think most people do.
1: No. Yeah. Most, I think, you know, for me personally, I don't like to be miserable. <laughs>
0: and I think some people like to be, and miserable. I
1: think, I think some people don't know any better. Oh, and that's yeah. where educating your community is so mm. important because People are victims of their own lives due to lack of information and Mm -hmm. education. So sometimes just a word of encouragement is all it takes. Like, yeah, you can totally change the way you eat. You can totally do that. And then they go, oh, I can. And then they do. But up until that point, they ruminate Mm -hmm. on it. Like, how much work is it going to be? And all these problems that they're dealing with when really, you know, when she... Once you make your decision and you can follow through on it, then you're good most of the time. Because mm-hmm. I have I have my moments where, oh my gosh, maybe I stay up too late. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then I know for sure I have to take my vitamins an extra time that day. Mm-hmm. You know, I know ways to cheat, but I can't do it for very many days in a row. Mm-hmm. But these are all things to figure out, how to optimize your own performance. Everybody's a little different that way, but we all have the same basic needs. Rest, water, good food maybe some nutritional supplements because our food waits too long to get to us and all those things that we have to compensate for in our environment mm-hmm. with pollution and this and that. But those are all things that can be covered for. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then, you know, having fulfilling relationships. So there's a lot to figure out. There's a lot going on. It's all, the all time. of the
0: juggling act too. Yeah. I've heard, um, a lot of these, um, very successful like multi-millionaire even billionaire um, entrepreneurs that they were asked questions like oh like how do you deal with the problem of you know focusing yourself on one thing and just doing it and they're just like throw away that question like that's not a good question like I'm always juggling I have you know I do you know, 100 projects, and I know that 20 of them are going to go down the drain, but I don't care because I'm making sure to juggle as much of the things that I want to at once. Right. And that's kind of like a way that somebody who functions maybe in not such like a linear way like A to B can function and be happy in their life and able to kind of explore all the possibilities. Um, the beautiful thing about our profession, naturopathic medicine is that you can you can do kind of so many things in it. I mean, you can focus just on diet. You can focus just on counseling people. You can focus on, you know, this or that. So you can always change your interests and keep yourself, like, engaged. Yeah. You don't have have to do anything uh, if you don't want to.
1: Right. Yeah, it's, it, it's a very dynamic profession. Mm-hmm for very dynamic people. I mean, I'm absolutely in love with mm-hmm. everybody I'm going to school with. Mm-hmm. There's just so much so much everybody's got so much to offer and I I really I really think that if you don't put too many constraints on yourself and you're supportive and you're getting support. Again, that's where I go back to communication. You got to be Reaching out to others, letting others contribute, all these things that sometimes takes a lifetime to understand and do. But even baby steps. I mean, For me, just the transformation of who I am sitting in a classroom at my age, already being a doctor going for my second doctorate, mm-hmm. is kind of like, it, if, I, if I told you, I'd have to like have a whole separate podcast just to mm-hmm. tell you all my growth.
0: Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's me. Mm
1: -hmm. But it's just phenomenal. So so it's like not giving up, not getting discouraged to the point of stopping, Mm. continuing to learn, being open to input, but without giving up your own convictions Mm -hmm. of what you know is right, Mm -hmm. and continuing to move forward in any way you can possibly manage to do that. You're going to have to figure it out and stay connected. I don't think you can go off in the woods by yourself and really impact as many many people as somebody who's staying connected to the profession, you know, being willing to let people be who they are in the profession because people don't get along sometimes, but it doesn't mean you have to get discouraged. Mm -hmm. So it's probably my biggest thing is stay in the game. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And yeah, so if you get discouraged, fine, just get out of it. Mm -hmm and move forward
0: what uh what advice would you have to give for people who are kind of worried about their future uh natural medicine in general is kind of up and coming it's not as well established there's no guaranteed professions what advice do you have for someone who's like i have no idea what i'm going to do and they're kind of like very worried i know i was like this like first year of school Mm -hmm. not so much anymore but it's very typical in our profession
1: um, part of the growth experience of the program and the focus uh, and the purpose for having us having the clinical immersion the last year mm. is what will develop your sense of uh, position. Mm. As a as a doctor, mm. you will by the time you graduate have a sort of sense of what it's like to be a doctor. It won't be so foreign. And then the fear is about oh no, where am I going to start and how am I going to get started? Right, exactly. So um, so for like I was saying for me, I had a lot of in, I was intimidated by a lot. I was just a frightened person. That's who I was at the time. So I needed to be under somebody's wing. So you may find that working in another doctor's clinic for a percentage of what you produce is a good way to start all the way up to a residency. Some Mm. people want to be immersed in a residency program, which is pretty hardcore. Mm -hmm. Um, So there, I think the people who go off on their own immediately are the ones who have already had a different Mm. profession prior to starting school.
0: Mm.
1: So um, most people don't, Start off, the younger students don't mm. start off in their own business. Mm-hmm. The older students who have had prior professions are, have the confidence to go start off in their own business. It's mm-hmm. a different mindset. Mm-hmm. But just in general, um, staying connected is important. So going to the OANP conferences and staying connected to the naturopathic family. Mm-hmm. And finding out, who are you? Are you more naturopathic biomed? Mm-hmm. Or are you more naturopathic traditional medicine? Mm-hmm. And then find your mentors. There are groups on Facebook, mm-hmm. you know, like the Vitality one. Mm-hmm. that I was on that before I even came to school. I didn't realize that was like the group here
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> until
1: after I got here. It was kind of funny, <laughs> but my path led me to mm. that naturopathic facebook group mm.
0: now you said uh, earlier on um that communication was key can you elaborate on what kind of communication do you mean like uh networking reaching out to people for opportunities doing oh, things yeah. of that nature that
1: brings up a couple of points one is so so i felt like i needed to learn communication skills Mm -hmm. so i could sit in front of you Mm -hmm. and look you in the eye Mm -hmm. and not be shy Mm -hmm. i was painfully shy growing up Mm. you wouldn't know that now
0: yeah definitely not
1: so Mm -hmm. um although i have a tendency to to be quiet Mm -hmm. right but um the the just the nuts and bolts of communication feeling comfortable sitting in front of somebody or hearing what they said and Mm. and responding to that and Mm. not getting off track but all Mm. the things that would be good communication skills for staying on point with a patient visit Mm. right so i'm talking about how to communicate with another human being oh gotcha so that was like just basics for me i needed that Mm. um and then what was the other part um I was going to say. So communication,
0: like networking aspect? Yeah, the networking aspect. Thank
1: you. Um, We have groups where you join and um, in the community, every little community seems to have them. And what I joined back in the day was called the Leads Club. Mm -hmm. And so we would gather weekly and have a breakfast meeting and take turns standing up and introducing ourselves in our business and then every week we would have one of us would be highlighted and have 10 minutes to speak. Mm-hmm. And we would refer one another clients or patients, right? So the lady from my nail salon was a member. She invited me to come. So mm-hmm. I went through all of those things and, you know, mailing um, different things to my patients, mm-hmm. you know, newsletters and such. And all of those are forms of communication. Mm-hmm. So some are ne- some networking is worth a try. Maybe it'll work for you. It didn't work for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, education worked for me. Educating my community worked for me.
0: Mm, so there's Scared no the like, crap
1: out of me too, but yeah, I did it.
0: There's no like one road to, you know, success that's defined by your abilities. Your and, natural skills yeah, maybe because I
1: didn't have any. Mm. I mean, like I said, I could clean fish. That was what <laughs> I did. I never really had any other paid profession, so <laughs> it's a pretty um,
0: big change in professions. Yeah, you know, so I think you know,
1: getting to know who you are, capitalizing on your natural skills, and then figuring out what you want to work on and honing your skills, educating yourself so that you can in turn help others. I mean, the more people you help, the better.
0: Right. And uh, if we do fulfilling work, then even the better.
1: Well, I know that I can, I can start off my day not feeling great and get into the office. And by the time I'm done with my first patient, I've done a complete turnaround with my own mood. Like if I go in thinking I'm tired or would rather do something else, by the time I'm done with my first patient, I am so happy. That's how re- rewarding it is for me To get to help somebody else Mm -hmm. was something that they think they're going to die from.
0: Yeah, I've I've noticed that too from uh, just being a student in the clinic that sometimes I'll go in kind of like in a little bit of funk. I might be a little bit sleep deprived, but like you said, after like, you know, you see one person, you're just, you're just like a completely different person. So um, there's much to be said about finding work that you really love and just doing that no matter what and uh, not really listening to any other advice to the contrary to that.
1: I thought I was going to work on athletes. I Mm -hmm. mean, physical therapy I was interested in because I'm like, great, I'm going to work on professional athletes the rest of my life. Right. And then I became a chiropractor and I thought for sure I was going to have a gym and a chiropractic practice and I was going to work with power lifters and athletes and help them. Right. And so it ended up that I have a family practice where I see people who are very athletic and some of them are professionals and I've worked with various professional group athletic groups as well. But when it comes down to it, for me a family practice is where it's at. It wasn't what I thought I was going to do initially. I thought mm-hmm. I was going to work with athletes. That's what I wanted to do. I didn't
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, it mm. turns out that real people with real issues make my heart sing.
0: Mm. And it's the kind of interesting thing is, you kind of just have to go out there and try it out. There's really no way to like think about like what you could possibly like, like just kind of immerse yourself in all the things. And yeah. education is a great uh, yeah. uh, vehicle for that. So. Experiment. So
1: education doesn't stop after graduation. I don't know if you've heard that yet. That's true. And um, mm-hmm. so I think being really committed to continue to learn through I just think it's really amazing that we have things like podcasts and webinars mm-hmm. and all these different ways to learn without having to fly across the country to a yeah. seminar. Or
0: sit in a class or something oh, like that yeah. at, at 8 in the morning.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: As we were talking about. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's rough.
1: Oh. <laughs> I have a class tomorrow at 7.30 in the morning.
0: Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well I appreciate you coming on the podcast in, in mm-hmm. spite of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the um, communication is, is key. I definitely agree with you and really all it is is a transfer of information. You're sharing something that helped your life or something that can help someone else's life with someone and I can't think of anything more uh, fulfilling than that uh, in terms of work. So, well, that's gotten, why we're in this profession.
1: Yep. It's gotten me through everything even when I've not been Perfect, you know. Mm-hmm. And if I I find that when I communicate with my patients, and it pretty much erases whatever bad things might have happened, like if they got upset because I was forty five minutes behind, or I mean, my intention is to be on time for every single patient. But once in a while, somebody's really messed up, and it throws off the rest of the day. And you need to be able to use good communication skills to take care of the people who were displaced because of the scheduling. Mm. I mean, there've been times where I've given away a service, Mm. you know, like a free appointment or something to help make up for things not going quite right. Mm. Because sometimes I feel like I just need to do that. So sometimes communication is also showing some goodwill Mm. and doing something favorable to correct a situation. Mm. So, Communication isn't always good and pleasant. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's handling a difficulty, but I tell you, it definitely works. And that Mm. for me is probably, if I could could communicate something, it would be that communication is that important Mm. to work on.
0: Just to wrap this up, is there any final words you would give to somebody who's interested in starting a business in general?
1: Yep. Figure out how you want to have fun. Mm. And make that happen. Because I think if you're happy, Mm. you're going to make a lot of other people happy.
0: Mm. That's key Mm. and often unspoken advice in the business world. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much, Nancy, for coming on. I really appreciated talking to you. All right. It's been super awesome. And I'd love to have you on again. We can talk on another subject. Okay. All right. Sounds awesome.